The following is a Tony Lasano podcast and Opie production on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. And now, Free Kicks. Free Kicks. With Illinois Youth Soccer Association's Director of Coaching, Adam Howarth and Rick Kemper. Hey, that's me. It's time for Free Kicks. I'm Rick Kemper, and I'm here with uh, Adam Howarth, and we should just explain briefly uh, who we are. Adam is the... Director of Coaching, as the introduction said, for the uh, for the state of Illinois. Uh, why don't you explain a little bit how that how that works, Adam, just so people know who you are? Yeah, sure, no problem. Thanks, Rick. Yeah, so in terms of my position, I'm kind of kind of monitor a lot of the soccer that goes on within the state. Primarily, coaching education is uh, my primary role. So I do a lot of things working to get all of our coaches certified, and then oversee a lot of the programs within the state, and also work with. Uh, closely with the leagues that we work with as well. So as you can tell, he also has a, a bit of a, a British accent. Uh, Adam is not originally from here. And part of what we're going to do on this show is introduce soccer to uh, America in a way that uh, kind of shares our love for the game. Uh, I'm a longtime uh, soccer fan, and I played you know many, 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 many years ago. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, we want to do this for an American audience, and we're going to talk about some of the greatest soccer in the world, which means we're probably not going to talk that much about American soccer. Uh, we are going to focus on international soccer, especially the Premier League and uh, and right now the Champions League, which was the biggest story over the last week or so. And Did you see any of those games? Absolutely, I did. Yeah, so pretty exciting stuff with both those games. Um Lots, lots of things happening, which was kind of cool, and it's great to have an English team in the final. Yeah, now this is something that hasn't happened in a few years, uh, but we do have another. We do have that same Madrid team in the finals. They are two-time defending champions, correct? Yeah, I mean, when you look at these two teams, it's amazing. I mean, they've won it over twenty times between the two of them. So you've probably got two of the most perennial. Um, teams in terms of winners uh, like I said this could be if Real Madrid wins it would be three times in a row which is unprecedented never happened before now I have to say this as a, a German soccer fan um, I'm German last name Kempfer uh, grew up in Germany so it's one of the reasons why I love German soccer but I Bayern Munich to me outplayed Madrid in both of those games mm-hmm. but just made unbelievably terrible mistakes on defense and and that was it yeah yeah it was a tough one and you know i know we chatted about this the other day you know i don't know if it was maybe the lack of their opposition that they have in their german league compared to maybe real madrid who was obviously playing maybe some slightly tougher competition but yeah that that is like they they just kind of shot themselves in the foot a little bit. Well, the truth of the matter is, as you mentioned, Bayern Munich plays in the Bundesliga in Germany, and they have won it like 18 of the last 20 years or something. <laughs> so maybe not quite that yeah. bad, but very close to that. It And they have a team that is so stocked with superstars that they crush all the the opponents. And they really, as you mentioned, they don't really have any tough competition during the during the season. Right, exactly. I mean, they're so far ahead. It's just kind of crazy how well they've done over the years. And uh, yeah, they, we need some. We need some more teams to kind of give them a little bit of a go. So then that way they can maybe get a bit more prepared for the Champions League. And I'm a big proponent, a big believer that uh, 
you know, if you're playing tough teams during the season, that's going to obviously have you on effect as you played later on in the year. Because it helps you overcome adversity, and in the adversity that uh, Bayern faced in the in the Champion League's game was passes back to the goaltender. <laughs> That's right. Now, obviously, there was missing their their stud goalkeeper, which made it tough. True, um, but you know, like I said, I mean, I think they won the league. They're like twenty four points ahead. And yeah. so ridiculous within the league. So. Uh, making it tough, and so they won't really push. So maybe a little bit of complacency going in, but you know, still, still a good, a good showing though to get to the semifinals. They can't come too uh, too upset about that. And and Madrid is obviously a legitimate team that deserves to be there. The other one, Liverpool, is uh, is in the top four in the Premier League, uh, but is not the Premier League champion. But did beat some pretty good teams to get to this point. Right, they beat Man City. So yeah. Man City is the obviously the Premier League champions. They've won it, um, won it by an absolute landslide. When you think about it, I was yeah. just it's amazing when I was looking at the statistics. They they've scored their goal differential was seventy six goals. I mean, they've scored seventy six more goals. It's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, uh, I mean, Liverpool have come on obviously with the addition with the with the German coach and their their front three has been absolutely tremendous my wife calls um, him the hugging german <laughs> Jurgen Klopp, you who is the That's most fun. un-German German you will ever meet because he is uh, like super happy and and hugs people and and uh, just seems to be uh, just the antithesis of every german i've ever met <laughs> and yeah, i've, no, I've he, met many <laughs> <laughs> That's true he, he he's a lot happier I mean, he certainly gets into the games. There's no question, even after this past weekend. But there's no question he is a lot more joyful and and happy than most Germans. That's for sure. So, do you th- who do you, who do you think is going to win? Now, this game's not going to be played for another three weeks. Uh, but right. who, who uh, do you think Liverpool has a chance? I think Liverpool's got a good chance. I can tell you this: there's not going to be much defending going on. I right. Do pre- I do predict a high level game. I mean. Real Madrid goes for it. Liverpool goes for it. You know, it could be a 6-4 game. Who knows? Um, I, I, it's hard to say. I think Liverpool's got a great chance just because of the matchup. And sometimes when it gets down to these games, it's often matchups. But um, it's pretty even. I would I would obviously go – I'll go with my heart here and say Liverpool. Maybe 3-2 okay. uh, three, three, in a good game. Well, now this is something for a Chelsea fan to be rooting for Liverpool. Is it just uh... – because they are also an English team? Yeah, I think it's funny you say that because I was talking with somebody, another English guy who's a Tottenham fan, um, and we were chatting on this. He said, are you a Liverpool fan now? I said, I guess we are. I guess we're all Liverpool fans, especially because you want an English team to win. Yeah. So I think any time that an English team gets into, you know, obviously probably realistically the premier club um, tournament in the world, you want you want them to win. So it would be great for Great for English, for the English Premier League, for them to win. And they are an exciting team to watch. Yeah, they they those front three, Firmino and uh, Mane and Salah, who was the best player in the league. Those guys can score goals. I mean, yeah. they're extremely, extremely good. They uh, are defensively, they're a little shocking at times. Yeah, uh, although they've got a little bit better uh, with uh, with Virgil Van Dijk, who joined them here recently. But uh, you know, they they can score goals. There's no question. Now the ironic thing is, and and this this could very well happen. I was looking at the at the numbers after they lost to Chelsea uh, yesterday, which we can talk about in a second here. Um, 
they have a they have a real shot of not making the top four. I know, and that's the funny thing. So, depending on how things go, let's say they lose both. You know, if they drop out of the four and then lose in the final, they may not be in the Champions League, which is yeah. amazing after the season they've had. So, yeah, could, they could find themselves on the outside looking in for sure. But if they do win, the the uh, defending champion is always allowed to to be in. Yes, it, right? yes, yeah. yeah. That happened to Chelsea a few years ago. Um, uh, to the mercy of a lot of the Tottenham fans, they ended up getting in. So that may end up uh, kind of hurting them a little bit. So we'll see. So um, let's talk about Chelsea for a second, because Chelsea is your team. Yep. And uh, I watched that entire game against Liverpool yesterday, and. Uh, Azard, how do you pronounce his name? Azard, Hazard, yeah, Hazard, Hazard, yeah. Either I've way. heard it yeah. pronounced a million ways. Yeah, that's that true. guy. Is there anybody in soccer that has better foot control than him? I mean, he. I would definitely put him up there with with Ronaldo and Messi in terms of his play. When he wants to play, and I think this year, to be fair, has been a bit inconsistent. Right. Uh, but yesterday, I thought he was tremendous. He was. Every time he got the ball, it looked like he was going to beat the defender. There was one time in the middle of the field, he just flicks it past the Ronaldo and the defender. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's with ease. I mean, yeah. and it's just like he leaves everybody standing in sand, you know, just boom, it just goes right past him. So, yeah, he's he's a tremendous player. When, he's, when he wants to play, he's definitely one of the best players in the world, for sure. So is that the, uh, is that the thing as a Chelsea fan that gets you that, it it looks like he's not always giving it his all. No, I think he's been a bit inconsistent. Just I think uh, overall the team. I mean, last year he was the player of the year. Um, so he was. There's definitely it, he's still working on his consistency. I think this year he's looked to. You hate to say it, Lord, disinterested. Maybe because of some of the results that Chelsea have had, and and with the manager controversy, whether or not he's staying, whether or not he's going, all that stuff. So that's probably affected his play a little bit. So that's um, let's let's talk about that for a second because this yeah. is this could be one of those really weird English soccer things where um, Chelsea has a chance to sneak in here and finish in the final four. They also have a chance to win the FA Cup because they're playing against Man U in the final, right? In right, a couple right. of weeks, so yep. it's possible that they can win the FA Cup and make it in the final four and still fire their manager. Very, very. I would say that's a probably a very good thing that's going to happen. Unbelievable. We, yeah, I mean, and remember, this is the same guy that won the league last year. He was the they were the champions last year, so he's really not done anything wrong in terms of what they've done. Potentially, if all things work out, I mean, you win potentially two trophies, get into the Champions League, and he's out of a job. Crazy. As a Chelsea fan, how do you feel about that? Well, it's probably been probably it's fair to say in the last five to ten years, it's we're the one team that can probably deal with a new manager every year, just because because <laughs> you we have because <laughs> we have and we have so much money in terms of being able to pay out these managers, it's not really an issue, and so they will get somebody who wants to come in if. The Chelsea job opens up and they give them some money to work with in terms of getting players, then managers will come for sure. The biggest issue for, I know for a lot of Chelsea fans, is making sure that some of these players stay. I mean, Hazard is one that 
we're really wide. I mean, I'm very worried that he might leave this summer. Uh, he might go to Real Madrid of all places, but uh, oh boy, I know they're looking at great. him. Yeah, so make them even stronger, like they like they need to. But so there's there could definitely be a lot of there'll be a lot of shakeups, and especially with the World Cup, if players have good World Cups, then almost automatically money starts being thrown around. You'll get some crazy transfers happening at the end of the World Cup. And that's something we'll be uh, focusing on over the next couple of months. Uh, we'll be talking about the World Cup. We'll be talking about. You know, giving you previews of the players, um, but I just realized I forgot to I forgot to play my little uh, English Premier League audio clip. Would you like to hear it? Sure. Okay, here it goes. Premier League football. What's happening on the pitch? There we go. <laughs> just had to get that in there. We have made we had, had all this work to get these produced. We've got to use them, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Sounds good. So we're talking about the Chelsea manager, but uh, there were a couple of other big stories of, of other legendary managers in, in Premier League soccer. Uh, the, the manager of Arsenal, Arsene Wenger. Yeah. Last game at the Arsenal Stadium was this weekend, and Arsenal came out and played for him, didn't they? Oh, what a great game for them to finish. You know, 5 nothing drubbing. Fantastic, you know, sixty thousand people there watching, and they had a nice, really, really nice ceremony at the end. Um, it was really quite cool. Um, it was really a nice thing for for him to go out. He's he's had a kind of a rough go probably the last few months, especially with with the way the with the way the team's been kind of treated and the inconsistencies with everything, but. With what he's done over the 22 years he's been there, it's definitely uh, a good way for him to go out. Would you say he would be in the top three or four uh, managers of all time in England? Oh, for sure. I mean, I think he he changed the face of of English football when he first came in. Um, I've heard stories about how some of the English players were a little unsure about how they were doing things. And it just went from nutrition. It went from... Uh, just how they prepare, all those types of things before English football and English football players were very much in the old way of doing things. You know, they probably eat poorly before games. Fish and chips the night before a game is probably the, the best meal. He changed that. He made sure they were eating correctly, the conditioning, and, and just changed the culture. And uh, a lot of credit goes to him. And what is his uh, nationality? He's French. French. He's French. Okay. Yeah, so he worked closely. And really, from it's interesting, he really didn't have a very distinguished playing career and really kind of made his mark as, as a manager, uh, kind of similar to Jose Mourinho in that respect. So he was the one that really kind of came out, very studious, did a great deal of, um, of things just to kind of get himself better as, as a manager and then prepare himself for, you know, these big jobs. And obviously they thought highly enough of him to keep him for 22 years. So that gives you an idea of how good he was. And he will always be remembered for the one perfect season, correct? That's right. Yeah. The Invincibles, as they were known. Yeah. Um, and that was pretty cool. So I think they gave, they gave a nice little trophy to him at the end, presented it with him. I think they, uh, 26 wins, 12, 12 draws, which is quite an amazing feat. I don't know. I mean, Man City was close this year to maybe doing that, but it's still going to be very, very tough to do it. And I know Barcelona's on the verge of doing that in their league as well. So we'll see. So uh, as um, as legendary a coach as he is, uh, there was even a 
a more legendary coach in English football history, and he uh, is in bad shape right now. Uh, the, if, this is not a big story in America, but it's a huge story in England, isn't it? Yeah, it really is, and it's been a tough, tough weekend in terms of obviously what he's dealing with. A lot of players have come out. So Alex Ferguson, seventy-six years old, and uh, had to have an emergency surgery on a brain hemorrhage, and uh, still in 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 very critical condition. It's an intensive care unit uh, there in Manchester, so everybody's pulling for him. So hopefully, hopefully everything works out for him. But it's been a been a tough weekend for him and for his family, I'm sure. Try to try to explain what he meant to the sport uh, in your like, native land. Yeah, it, the same thing. I mean, in terms of what he did, you know, he was there similar to Arsene Wenger was there for a long time, over twenty, I think, twenty six years or so. Um, just won everything thirty you know, thirty plus trophies in terms of what he was doing, and uh, he was he really kind of changed the face. Not so much from a coaching standpoint, because um, he probably, but he was the he was really a true manager. He was the one that was really able to work with the players, get them to a higher level, and then really created this fantastic culture within the club and how they play. And uh, it was really a really a fantastic achievement for him to do as well as he did. Especially when he first started, he kind of struggled, and then they gave him a bit of time, and from then on, he was. Like I said, the most successful manager at Manchester United ever had. So it wasn't so much of, from a tactical point of view; it was more from a, a, a culture. Yeah, I think I think that was the culture. I mean, there's no no two ways about it. I mean, sure, he tactically he was very good, but I know he always would employ very good uh, coaches to work with the team. His man management was really what he was known for in terms of creating those players to get them to play at their best. And, you know, I've heard many stories of how he would really motivate his players fantastically well and just basically told them that, you know, they, they felt like they could beat anybody as soon as they walked onto the pitch. So he was truly, um, you know, a fantastic manager in that respect. I'm sure coaching-wise, he was very good. I don't know if he was really renowned for his being a fantastic clinician in that respect. But, uh, you know, as a man manager, he was the best. Well, I have. Thoughts and prayers out to the uh, Ferguson family and the entire Manchester United, you know, football world. Because I know that everybody is in a bit of a shock. Uh, I you know just saw him on TV last weekend. You know, he looked uh, he looked the same as always out there. In the yeah. he was there for every game, wasn't he? Yeah, he was there. You're absolutely right. He's there watching every game. I don't think he's missed any games since he's been there. So since he since he retired and. Uh, you know, there was there's so many good stories about him and 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 his player uh, involvement. I mean, I remember when Ronaldo won, Cristiano Ronaldo won the uh, European Cup uh, this past year. He was there waiting for him to shake his hand. So he's just he's he's that type of a manager. He has great relationships with his players, and that's why he was so successful. And and that is a rare thing indeed. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So let's talk. We have another uh, audio th- uh, feature here that I'd like to get to. And now, explain that foreign tradition, please. Okay, this is kind of uh, for for English Premier fans. Everybody knows this story, um, but for American fans, the whole idea of relegation. 
Because um, no, there's no American sport where there's a first division and a second division where they can swap. You know where yeah. teams yeah. in the first division go into the second division, and and uh, in in Europe this is commonplace. Um, but I thought maybe we should explain it and and talk about some of the teams that are in trouble because for me the most exciting thing about the English Premier League is there are all these second tier stories. Yeah. You're watching the game and every game has an impact on the table, you know, on the standings. And you there the top 4 teams for instance go to the Champions League. Then there's another uh, tournament, uh, European wide tournament, and and which teams go in that? Uh, five, six, seven. Yeah. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. So and the, so the top seven that means something to be in the top seven. Yeah. And then there's the bottom three, and the bottom three drop out completely, and go into the second division, and they are replaced by three from the second division, which is called yeah. the championship, right? Correct. Yep. Mm-hmm. Which is kind of an odd name for the second division, but you know we'll get to that some other time. <laughs> um, so let's talk about the teams that are coming up, because I think, if I'm not mistaken, none of these teams were in the Premier League last year. There's not the same teams that dropped down. Right. So, so what ended up happening? So, um, Wolverhampton Wanderers, uh, they ended up winning it by an absolute landslide. So they automatically got promoted, and then. Cardiff City just claimed um, promotion. So the top two from the championship, which is the second tier, they go automatically into the Premier League for next year. And they have both been in the Premier League before. Yes, yes. Cardiff was there five years ago. Wolves maybe a little longer ago. Um, But both, you know, obviously they kind of have that um, history in terms of being able to play. Right. And, And then after that... Uh, they have a playoff. So we're back into the American system a little bit. So right. then there's some playoffs. So third through sixth will then play off for the final uh, spot to get into the Premier League. And that and that game, which is typically around Memorial Day here, is they call that the richest game in, in, the, in, in the world because whoever wins that game gets this chunk of money to be able to use, you know, from primarily from the television rights to be able to play into the Premier League. So that's always a big game. And, and last year, the team that won that game was? Uh, I'm trying to remember off the top. I think it was Huddersfield that went through on that one. I, I, I think that's correct. And Huddersfield yeah. is actually still in discussions for being relegated. Right. But, but, but it, but well, you explain it. You explain it. Yeah, I mean, they're close. But I think looking at it right now, you're looking at probably – so Stoke City already went down, so they're already relegated, which was really tough because they'd been in the Premier League for quite a long time. Yeah. Um, and then West Brom, they're going to need some miracles. I mean, there's gonna, there, all kinds of things have to happen. They're still, they're not theoretically down. They just scraped a one-deal win when they scored in the last minute to, to, to do it. That's what's kind of so exciting about everything. And, and West Brom is, has been in the Premier League for a while too, right? Exactly, yeah. So both these teams are storied, you know, kind of – Midlands groups, you know, kind of middle part of England, and they've been around for a long time. So it's been a hurt, little bit of a hurt for them. And then you've got the final spot, realistically, is going to be really between Swansea City and Southampton. So they're fighting for it. And just by luck, 
They yeah. play each other. And that's what's, I mean, and this happens all the time. It's yeah. amazing how these games, you know, if you wanted a playoff game, this is your playoff game. This is what you have. So basically, the winner of that game could really kind of secure their safety for next year. And Swansea City is a team from Wales, right? Yeah. And and Southampton is one of those teams that has this uh, this academy program that has produced yeah. some of the greatest players in the world. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Liverpool has has definitely used been able to get a lot of their players over the years, and they've had a fantastic. Um, amount of players come through their academy when you look at some of them we've got Lalana, Oxlade Chamberlain, Gareth Bale was there so we they've produced a lot I think of Walcott came from there too the, absolutely they are Walcott all of those players have come through that system um, so this is going to be they'll be a tough for them if they do go down to, to kind of regroup uh, but uh, well did yeah. you see the game uh, this past weekend against Everton Yes, yes. Because that was, uh, I mean, they were about to win that game, one to nothing. And if they had won it, they probably would have been safe, don't you think? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because they would have got those three points, yeah. And in the 95th minute, you know, of of a game that had four minutes of stoppage time, in the 95th minute, uh, Everton scores and they drop two points. Uh, Southampton drops two points. Um, and now they're fighting for their lives in this final game. And is it at Swansea or is it at Southampton? I believe it's at Swansea. I'm I think it is the, too. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I'm, I think personally, I think Southampton's in good shape. I think they're playing pretty well, although they're a bit unlucky. The last yeah. few games, they've been right there. And Swansea's game that they had the other day was not particularly good. No, that's um, true. So, so I would definitely say, you know, in, if you're looking at form going into a game, Southampton's got a good shot at it, even though they're you know, potentially on the road. But um, we'll see. We'll see. It's going to be a great game. And, and even though Swansea's been um, in the Premier League for a while, they are always towards the bottom, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would say that. And even Southampton's been probably, uh, you know, a little bit more mid-table, uh, and they've kind of dropped this year more so than than, than before, um, but uh, yeah, I, I mean Swansea's always kind of been struggling. And it, I think this is their third manager. Bob Bradley was the manager there for right. for a few for a few weeks there, <laughs> and uh, they've had a few managers this season. They've gone through a bunch of them, and it's uh, you know they they kind of regrouped a little bit, but they're still back in that mire. So, we'll so is see. that like the worst job in the world, Premier League manager? I mean that. It seems to me like if you if you don't have incredible instant success, yeah, and sustained success, that you're gone. I mean, the second you drop uh, even a smidgen of the success, you're gone. Yeah, they're talking. I mean, job security is zero when you're talking about coaching in the Premier League, managing in the Premier League. Um, I mean, I think Bob Bradley was only there for a couple of months. I mean, right. I think they he barely had enough time to put his name on the back of his tracksuit. So, <laughs> I mean, it was that was about it. I mean, it was just crazy how quickly, you know, if things don't go well, if you don't turn things around, it's you're, you're out the door. And uh, it's a shame. I mean, West Brom is a good example of the opposite. You know, yeah. in the last four or five games, their manager was a previous club coach, played for them, retired recently. In the last four or five games, they've won two. They beat Manchester United at Manchester United, and they obviously beat Tottenham. I mean, if only they would have done this earlier, they wouldn't right. be in this situation. 
Um, so is he's there, done a really good job. Is there still a chance that they can? I mean, I, I know that they're technically uh, able to stay somehow because they haven't been officially relegated yet. But what has to happen? Yeah, they have to win. They have to rely on all these other teams because they can only get to 34 points. I, so I what, think there has to be a draw, right, between Southampton yeah. and Swansea? Uh, well, potentially, it, what could end up happening is uh, even if they draw, uh, they could jump ahead. There's so many different areas that could happen. But then Swansea City and Southampton both have two games. West Brom only has the one. So if West Brom wins, they'll get to 34. One of the other teams are 34. Then they would have to hope that one of those teams loses. So they've got to rely on other teams losing for them to stay up. Okay. But they do have a but they do have a better goal differential, which kind of could help them against uh, I think against Swansea. So that could help them. So here's my here's one of my favorite things about watching the Premier League. Um, I love the British announcers because yes. it. Uh, because obviously they know the game and they know the players and they, and, and it's not like Americans explaining it to us. Um, but especially I love their use of language and, and I'm going to be bringing this up to you every week whenever, whenever I hear it, but here's two of the phrases I heard this week that I absolutely love. You ready? Yeah. One of them was, um, when somebody came down to take another shot on goal, they said, he's getting another bite of the cherry. Which I know what it means, you know. Another, but who takes more than one bite of a cherry? Is that like <laughs> a common a, British phrase? I've never heard that before. I wouldn't say it was really common, but I've certainly heard people say it. It's just such a descriptive way of doing something. It's yeah. like a second bite at the apple. I think we talked about that too. Right. You know, it's the same type of kind of idea. But yeah, it's just funny. Because when you, when you think about it, another bite of the cherry. What does that really absolutely mean? You know, it's just it's just it's just a way that they're so descriptive in terms yes. of how they do things. Yeah, that's it's it's awesome. The other one I loved, and this was just yesterday in the Chelsea uh, game because it was just a one to nothing game, and there were very few shots on goal throughout the entire game. Um, but the the announcers were raving about what a good game it was because yeah. there was no lack of endeavor. Yeah. Oh, because they, they don't stop. That's the great thing. They just it's one of those things where they're talking about it where they have this idea they're just gonna keep going, they're gonna keep going, they're gonna keep going. Maybe that's the British way, right? We're yeah. always just gonna go out there and put ourselves on the line. So it's Winston yeah. Churchill, right? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's it that's exactly it. So it's it's kinda of funny how the when the announcers do describe what they're talking about, what they see it. It's as if they – it's like something they may have read many years ago just pops into their head and then they'll just throw it out there. And that's what's really nice about the announcers. Well, as a, as a long-term announcer myself, uh, that's, that's my favorite part. Uh, yeah, let's, uh, sure. let's talk about what's coming up this weekend. Uh, I've got some audio for that. Now time for Adam's Weekend Soccer TV Tip. All right. So, Adam, you're, uh, this is for our fans out there who uh, are, love – Premier soccer or soccer in general, what what games, what what can what can happen this weekend that you don't want to miss? Well, the crazy thing is, all this week, you know, we've got games on, but then so we're that's recording gonna this on uh, on Monday, which is why we didn't know the uh, the end of the the Swansea Southampton game. 
Right, right, exactly. Yeah. So, but then Sunday is probably one of the most exciting days of the year because all the games start at the same time, and they do that so then that way everybody's kind of fair. It's kind of like uh, knowing what time you know where you're at. You can't kind of change anything or you can't play a different player because you already know the result from another game so that's part of the reason why they do that so on sunday you've got all the games starting 9 a.m in the morning great day to watch games you can kind of jump around typically nbc who covers the games will do some type of a jump around where they'll go to different games and and different things happening i think the biggest thing that we'll probably see is you've got chelsea newcastle which could determine maybe a top four spot um, Liverpool, Brighton, Brighton's fighting for you know even to get up a little bit further. They they don't want to get drawn down, so that could have an effect on that top four as well as relegation. And then uh, Tottenham, Leicester as well. So there's so many different things that can happen, and a lot of it's going to depend on what happens this week. But yeah, there's it's going to be an exciting Sunday for sure. And that's what we'll be talking about next week. Okay, we'll be back again with another episode of Free Kicks. <laughs> The proceeding was a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. Find our other great shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and at radiomisfits.com. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been a presentation of Old Pie Productions. Tony, can you shut up? 